When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, welcome. Uh, hopefully this is the last one. Um, I'm going to try and get the civil liberties and civil rights stuff knocked out quickly in this podcast and then also go over the test format for you and talk about the different types of FRQs and uh, those sorts of things uh, just so you don't have to listen to any more of this stuff. All right. So uh, with that said, let's get going with the civil liberties and civil rights stuff. Now, uh, remember, this is unit three, according to the College Board. Uh, in my class, we did it unit five and we did the project based stuff. So you might want to revisit some of your projects some of you did websites. Some of you did podcast yourself, maybe revisit those things. OK, um, so first off, let's define what civil liberties and civil rights are. Let's talk about the 14th Amendment and then we'll get to the standards. OK, uh, civil liberties. Those are the things that are protected from the government. Right. And they're listed in the, in the first 10 amendments, the Bill of Rights. All those things that the government cannot take away from you. They can't take away your free speech, your free um, freedom of religion, um, your right to no unlawful search and seizure. Okay, they can't take these things away with from you without due process. This is something we'll mention in just a second. And then civil rights is where the government is actually doing the protecting. So they're trying to protect groups that have been uh, traditionally discriminated against or marginalized or whatever it might be. All right. So those are the the civil rights. Uh, and, and typically, a lot of times people go with the civil rights and they go right to the African-American experience. And that's very valid. But just remember, there's there's plenty of groups out there uh, that we can talk about and we'll discuss um, as we get through the standards. Um, so just keep that in mind. So civil liberties are protections from the government. Civil rights are the government doing the protecting themselves. All right. Uh, the big amendment for this one, uh, obviously, the, the first 10 is pretty big, but Remember, the 14th Amendment is also huge when it comes to your civil liberties and civil rights. The 14th Amendment defines what a citizen is. OK, and that's what most people, their mind goes right to oh, citizenship. But there's two clauses you got to know, and that's the Equal Protection Clause and the Due Process Clause. And those two clauses are huge and they're still referenced today with cases. Dealing with civil, civil liberties and civil rights. Uh, the established, I mean, not the established, the Equal Protection Clause all that states and all it says is that everybody and every law should be applied equally to people. Okay. It doesn't matter that I'm a, a 43 year old white male and you're um, an 18 year old black female. The law should be applied to us the same. If I run a stop sign, I should get a ticket just like you should get a ticket. There shouldn't, no, there shouldn't be any, anything like that. Now, maybe that's a silly example, but the laws, that are out there should be equally applied to everybody according to the Equal Protection Clause. And that's where we get into issues because laws aren't always equally applied. All right. And we're not going to get into the debate or the discussion about all the stuff that happens there because there's plenty of stuff we could talk about. I could take up the entire 30 minutes of this podcast. And with that, I'm sure we're not going to, though. OK. Uh, and then the Due Process Clause. Due process is all the stuff that happens when you are arrested and all the rights that you have. OK, uh, from the time you are suspected of a crime through your arrest, through your trial, through your potential incarceration, you have rights. 
and those come with the due process, your right to a trial, your right to a lawyer, all those things that come from the, the fifth, sixth, and seventh amendment, all of those things are guaranteed to you through the due process calls. They, the government cannot take away your right to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness without giving you due process. That's why it's such a big deal. Okay. So the 14th amendment defines citizenship. Yes. More importantly, though, it gives you the equal protection clause and it gives you the due process clause and two things you got to know. Okay. Uh, all right. So those are the, the big kind of overarching things. Let's get going with the standards here. The first standard is a very broad one. That's the bill of rights. And I'm not going to spend a great deal of time here. Uh, this is where your civil liberties are housed. We just said that. So just keep in mind, this was the hang up of the anti-federalists. Hey, you need to have these protections. You need to have these protections in there. You need to have these rights written. And the federalists are like, well, you know, the government will just protect. The government won't do that. The government won't take away your right to free speech. The government won't take away your, your right to no unlawful search and seizure. The government won't take away your right to a lawyer, so on and so forth. And the anti-federalists, no, you need to have that. And I'm glad they did because it's very important that we have these things written out. So that was a huge deal. Uh, but the Bill of Rights, the document is, you know, the Bill of Rights is, are, is in the Constitution are required documents. Just if you can understand, hey, the First Ten Amendments are those civil liberties, you're in good shape. All right, let's get into some specifics here. Uh, first off, point two, the, the freedom of religion. Uh, and I did a series of about seven podcasts and each one was about 10 to 12 minutes i'm going to move much quicker through these because i don't want to to have you, I, you know, the last one i did the the review review session five was like 40 minutes and that's way too long uh, so i want to try and move a little bit quicker so i'm going to really try and stick to the the uh the standards and what you got to know okay uh all right so the first amendment freedom of religion there's two clauses you got to know the establishment clause and the uh the free exercise clause the establishment clause says that the government will not create a state-sponsored religion. So there's never going to be a first church in the United States or something like that. Okay. Free exercise says you can worship how you want to. Uh, and these are constantly being interpreted by the, the courts and, and, and being um, being applied to our lives. Okay. So if you can remember establishment clause and free exercise clause is a part of the First Amendment. And just the fact that those things are always going to be up for debate. All right, you're in good shape. There are two cases you got to know, Engel versus Vital, Wisconsin versus Yoder. I went over those in the first session, uh, but just a reminder, Engel versus Vital is establishment clause. Uh, this was the prayer in school case where the kids are being made to pray in school every day before every class. Uh, can't do that. That violates the establishment clause, separation of church and state. Okay, and then Wisconsin versus Yoder, the uh, Yoders were one just one of many families uh, of Amish fam Amish families that wanted to uh, pull their kids out of the uh, <clears throat> the school after the after the eighth grade, and Wisconsin law said you can't pull them out till the tenth grade or something like that. And so uh, the findings there was the fact that hey, this Wisconsin state law does violate the free exercise clause, and so uh, they were able to pull their kids out early. Okay, uh, point three is the freedom of speech. And a couple of things real quick about freedom of speech. It, it, it is protected. We, I think today we take it a little bit too far and people just want to say whatever they, they want to. And that's not always you know, what it's what it's about. Remember, free speech is supposed to be the protections that we're allowed to criticize the government. And, and people do that. Trust me. I, I see plenty of, of criticisms of the government out there. Um, it's a, uh, you know. <laughs> get on social media and you'll see plenty of stuff there. Um, but there's all kinds of different variations and, and there's all kinds of different 
you know, things that, that happen. Uh, the government has to balance here between, you know, you saying something that you feel is protected speech versus being offensive to this person over here uh, or whatever it might be. And so the government really has a tough job with free speech. It, it is a tough job, you know, whether you like the government or don't. It can be an issue because they do have to weigh those those things, the individual freedoms, the individual protections versus what's, you know, what should we limit as far as free speech goes? So the standards talk about a few things there. Uh, first off, it's two cases you got to know for this one. That's Tinker versus Des Moines and Shank versus the U.S. Tinker versus Des Moines is a symbolic speech case. This is where the kids wore armbands to school to, to protest the Vietnam War, got suspended, followed it. The Supreme Court agrees with the kids. There's a lot more to the case, but I did this case in the first session. Just remember, okay? Um, and so you're allowed to 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 do that as far as symbolic speech goes. You can protest at school. Now, does that mean that you want to, to legalize marijuana and you show up to school in a you know uh, a marijuana suit with you know the leaves and just everything? You know, no, you can't do that. But could you wear a green armband? Could you wear a little green ribbon or something like that to support legalization of marijuana? I would think so. I, I don't want to be quoted on that, but I would think you know, just something like that, you probably could. Uh, but still, I'm not sure. Uh, but hopefully you understand the, the, that might be not the best example. But you could do that. Then the other one is Shank versus the U.S. And Shank versus the U.S. gets into that balance that we talked about just a few minutes ago. Um, Shank was protesting the, the draft uh, part of World War One. He was a socialist. Uh, I don't think today he'd probably get in as much trouble, obviously, uh, as he did back then. But uh, he was arrested and he claimed, hey, you're violating my free speech. I can be out there and I can say this kind of stuff. Uh, but the Supreme Court found that he was presenting a clear and present danger. And so his free speech was limited. His arrest and charges were held up. OK, uh, a few other things going in with free speech. Um, some of the things that matter when the government is weighing these things is the time, place and manner. Uh, of, of regulations. Um, you know, is it defamatory, offensive, obscene statements, gestures? There are words, there are gestures, there are things that could be considered fighting words. And, and you probably know some of them uh, that you might not be able to get away with saying. Okay. And, and the government has, you know, uh, over the years, the Supreme Court has ruled on some of those things. So, just keep that in mind. Um, so those, you know, we did the two cases that you got to know. You know. There's all kinds of other cases that deal with symbolic speech. Um, Texas versus Johnson, U.S. versus Eichmann. Uh, I'm not going to get into all these things, um, but free speech is a big part of your civil liberties. All right. Uh, freedom of the press. Main thing is the, the press should be able to um, <clears throat> print criticisms of the government. That's the big thing without facing repercussions. And, and the, the press is pretty much allowed to print whatever they want to, minus a few things about uh, national security. Okay. Uh, and then we get into a prior state, that prior restraint thing. Prior restraint is where the government can try and stop the press from printing stuff. They really can't stop them from printing too much nowadays. They will try and stop them from printing or encourage them not to print stuff about national security. Uh, the case you got to know, New York Times versus U.S. Once again, I already did this one. Uh, but the Pentagon Papers, uh, the Times and the Post wanted to print some papers about the U.S.'s time and involvement in uh, the Vietnam War. Uh, the Nixon administration said, no, we'd rather not. And um, they went to court over it and the, the Supreme Court found a favor of the press in this one. So uh, they were allowed to print them. OK, uh, 
even though they did have something to do with national security, but that the war effort was kind of over at this point or wrapping up to an extent. And so that's why they had done it. Okay. Uh, Second Amendment, right to bear arms. Uh, this one is going to probably forever be up for debate. I know I just saw a headline. I did not read anything uh, about it, but you know, Biden is potentially going to do something about uh, the gun law. Not, not, I don't think anything with the Second Amendment, but just you know, the gun laws and stuff. Uh, but you're right to bear arms. It's something that is there in the Constitution, uh, Second Amendment. Um, it is open for interpretation. You know, the courts have to interpret this. Uh, and yeah, we could spend all day on this one. Uh, there are two cases, DC versus Heller and Chicago versus McDonald. Chicago versus McDonald comes up in just a second, so I'll address it there. DC versus Heller, um, it's not a required case, but it does pertain to this. The Washington DC has some strict gun laws and Heller sued because he wanted to to have his gun free and clear, basically. And the Supreme Court agreed that the D.C. Uh, laws were too strict. Okay. Point six, um, balancing individual freedom with public order and safety and specific amendments they deal with their second, fourth, and eighth amendment. Um, so this is, for me, this is one of the hardest jobs of the government is balancing mine and yours, individual freedom, and the stuff that we should be able to do and say and and whatnot and still protecting society okay uh, it, it is tough and I, I don't envy the position they have with this okay let's unpack the the amendments they're talking about there first off the second amendment the right to bear arms what we just talked about so the amendment says you're allowed to own a gun but at what point does your gun ownership threaten public order and safety it's something that the, 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 the courts and the government has to weigh. You know, yes, the Second Amendment says you have the right to bear arms, but does that mean you have the right to, to carry this gun around, potentially threaten people? Where where do they draw the line there? Uh, the Fourth Amendment deals with your uh, right to no unlawful search and seizure. And once again, have to have to, have to weigh the options here uh, against the public order and safety. Your right to not be unlawfully searched and seized versus keeping people safe. If you potentially have something on you or whatever it might be, you know, does the government owe it to the rest of society to search you and find whatever you have and protect the rest of society? Um, so that is probably one of the toughest decisions they have to make about this because no one no one should be unlawfully. You shouldn't be just searched because you need to be. You, you, you look like you might have something. Okay, that's that's not a reason. Uh, but we also want to keep people safe, and so there's that that balance they have to make. And then the Eighth Amendment. Uh, that's the cruel and unusual punishment thing, and it specifically deals with the 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 death penalty. All right, and the Supreme Court has ruled the death penalty is legal. Is does not violate cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, but, you know, they they have to make that decision and it's a state to state thing. And judges and juries all the time make decisions about applying the death penalty. OK, so your individual freedom you know, should be should you be taken off this earth to protect the rest of society or is being behind bars for the rest of your life enough? It's, it's a it's a heavy weight, I would think. I don't want to be a part of that decision, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I like I've said 
many times I'm pretty flippant about the death penalty and, and believing in it and thinking it's something that, that should happen. But I want nothing to do with that decision. Okay. Um, and, and just it, it, it should be a heavy decision. And I hope it is a heavy decision and something that's never taken lightly um, when the people that are actually making it uh, make those decisions because there are so many things that could go into um, you know, the death penalty being mistakenly applied uh, and all sorts of things. So um, I don't I, like I said, I don't want any part of that decision. OK, uh, moving on. Point seven, selective incorporation. Selective incorporation is, uh, is, is one of my least favorite topics. But I think I, I think I can explain it well enough to, to, to make it easy for you. OK, basically, the states and localities, cities won't, don't want to apply the federal Bill of Rights. To them. They say the Bill of Rights is a agreement between the federal government and the citizens, not make something that the states and the cities have to apply to themselves. So, hey, you know, uh, we can go uh, search without a warrant or whatever it might be. Um, but they can't. And that's what selective incorporation is. Okay. Uh, two cases, real quick. Barron versus Baltimore basically said that states don't have to apply the Bill of Rights to their their stuff. The city of Baltimore had dug up this guy's uh, harbor or something like that. I can't remember the exact details. He said, "Eminent domain. You can't do that. You gotta you gotta pay me for that." And they said, "No, we don't. We're the city. That doesn't apply to us." Courts agreed. Fast forward 1915, Gitlow versus New York. They reversed it, and now they say the Bill of Rights does apply to the cities and states. And so selective incorporation is the fact that bill of rights can be applied to cities and to states. And that's what leads us into Chicago versus McDonald. Okay, Chicago versus McDonald is a Second Amendment case. It happens after D.C. versus Heller that I just talked about where the gun laws are very strict and Chicago, like they don't apply to us. But the Supreme Court says, no, they do. Okay, and um you have to allow people to keep and bear arms for self-defense in a home because of the Second Amendment and the 14th Amendment. OK, uh, and I did Chicago versus McDonald a little more in depth in the first session. All right. Point eight. Due process and the rights of the accused. Um, the, the courts feel it feels like the courts have gone back and forth. There have been times when the courts have been really. Uh, accused friendly other times where they have gone against it uh we kind of operate based on the war in court and some of their decisions they made uh on the fifth and sixth amendment about the rights of the accused and, and we it feels like the the accused have gotten more rights um uh, since that time okay um but the, you know, we already said what due process is uh let's go through the amendments they list here the fifth amendment the sixth amendment these are these are these are those things that once again, if you've been accused of a crime, you get the right to a jury. You can't self uh, self um, incriminate, you know, uh, on testimony or um, interrogation and things like that. So you are guaranteed all that stuff. And once again, it happens from the time you are suspected of a crime. You know, they can't just well, we think this person did it. Let's go get a let's go uh, search them. They have to get a warrant with the Fourth Amendment. <clears throat> They have to give you a lawyer. They have to give you a jury trial uh, in the public. You have the right to see your, you know, who's accusing you, uh, confront your witnesses, and all those sorts of things. Okay. Um, 
right to legal counsel. We said that speedy trial, all those things. Uh, protection against warrantless searches of cell phone data. So that's uh, something that's in the standards. Uh, just for, they can't search your cell phone without a warrant anymore. All right, and that comes from the Fourth Amendment. Um, yeah, the the case Gideon versus Wainwright gives you a lawyer. Uh, Gideon was accused of a crime; it was a misdemeanor at the time. You did not get a lawyer; only felon felonies. Uh, accused of a felony, got one, so he is going to uh, get a lawyer for anybody. So that's why if you're ever arrested, ask for a lawyer. Uh, the exclusionary rule. I, I really think Matt versus Ohio should be a, a required case, but it's not. No one asked me. But uh, that's where they searched her house without a warrant, looking for uh, someone. They found other stuff, drug paraphernalia, and some other things. They arrested her, um, and she fought it, saying, hey, you can't use that evidence against me because you shouldn't even been in my house. And uh, the Supreme Court agreed. So the exclusionary rule kicks out illegally obtained evidence. Now, it's up to your lawyer to do that, uh, to get it kicked out, but uh, it, it can be kicked out. All right, point nine, uh, due process and the right to privacy. Um, this is something, remember, that is taken out of the the 4th, the 10th, and the 14th Amendment. And it's not in the Constitution anymore, but uh, the, the courts have ruled that you do have a right to privacy. And it's applied typically to Roe versus Wade and the abortion issue. Okay, Roe versus Wade, very quickly, uh, Roe, not her real name, she wanted to have an abortion. It was against Texas law, so she fought it. The Supreme Court eventually, they don't get to it right away. Uh, eventually hear the case and say that, you know, women have a right to privacy. And now that's applied to other things. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Bowers versus Hardwick, uh, Texas versus Lawrence, and uh, some other things in a few minutes. Okay. Uh, all right. Switching gears to point 10. There's point 10, 11, 12, and I think 13 left. So trying to get done. I know I'm going along here. <clears throat> um, point 10 is social movements and equal protection. So once again, the equal protection is the, the, uh, you know, what we talked about earlier, um, where the all laws should be applied equally to everybody. All righty. Uh, and the civil rights era is going to use this. Um, I shouldn't say use this, but the civil rights protect the, the whole the whole fight of civil rights is wanting to get rid of discrimination within the laws and just within you know, everything should be discriminated on based on race, sex, religion. Uh, gender identity, whatever it might be, you shouldn't be, you know, everything should be equal to you, right? It doesn't matter who you are, like we said at the beginning of this thing. Uh, and that's guaranteed under the due process. It's guaranteed under equal protection. All those things are guaranteed to you in the U.S. Constitution and Bill of Rights, all right? Now, uh, the standards specifically talk about civil rights movement, uh, women's movement, and LGBT movement. Uh, so we'll talk about those specifically um, right now. Uh, first off, for the civil rights, uh, obviously, you, I always, uh, I used to love teaching this in U.S. history just because I think it's so important for people to understand the struggle uh, that people have gone through to get equal rights. And we, there's not as much history in our standards for the government stuff, and I wish there was. It's just, it's something I, I think it's important for people to understand the struggle uh, that happened. And even for our standards, there's really <clears throat> only one thing they talk about. And that's the letter from a Birmingham jail and the movement. Um, so in essence of time, and I'm going to concentrate on that, but just there's so much to unpack 
uh, with the civil rights movement. And I, and I hope that you had a good U.S. history teacher that went through this stuff. And I know for 2020, you know, when you probably had it, um, it was a pandemic time. But hopefully you still got got something from it because it is it's such a to me, it's such a powerful uh, time period in U.S. history and the, just the fight and the struggle that people went through to just be treated equal. And it just blows my mind that people had to fight for that. Um, and, you know, to look back at it. Anyways, let's get the letter from a Birmingham jail was uh, Dr. King's letter that he wrote, obviously from a Birmingham jail. It is a required document, so you, you might have to use it. Um, but uh, <clears throat> basically it was a response to several uh, white uh, religious leaders. I'm not sure exactly what their position was. Criticizing his use of civil disobedience. Okay, and civil disobedience is where don't agree with this law, don't think it's being applied justly, equally, and all. So we're not going to follow it. And so um, he defended his use of civil disobedience to these people, calling them out. And uh, if I remember correctly, the the quote was, hey, "Any any law that's applied unfairly is an unjust law, or something along those lines." Okay, uh, NOW, the National Organization for Women, you know, the big movement there has been. Uh, well, there's been several movements. Uh, obviously, the right to vote was a huge one back in the day. Finally got that right to vote in 1919. Since then, other things, you know, equality, equal pay, uh, and just being treated equal in the workforce and, and, and issues like that is still an issue today. Um, and that's one of the things, that's some of the stuff they're pushing for. Uh, and I, I don't want to go over my time limit. So uh, we could talk a lot about the uh, that but we're going to move forward okay uh point 11 government responses to social movements uh the brown case here <clears throat> went over it in the the required doc the required court case thing uh and i'm sure most people are familiar with it you know it's equal protection uh the fact that uh the schools were unequal and it led to the integration of schools in 54 and finally got there in 66 all right uh the other things the standards have is the civil rights act Title IX and the Voting Rights Act, Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act. Let's do those real quick. The Civil Rights Act says you can't discriminate based on race, sex, religion, all those things. Okay, um, and it's something that still applied today. There's still cases out there that reference the Civil Rights Act of 1964, saying I was discriminated on against because of this reason. I was fired for this reason, and it dealt with my religion, it dealt with my sex, or whatever it might be. Uh, the Voting Rights Act was created during this uh, in '65 to make it easier and safer to register to vote and, and vote. Okay, uh, and then Title IX of the Education Amendments Act. This is uh, to fight discrimination based on sex in schools. And typically, we our minds typically today go right to sports. And so all sports have to be equal. You have to have the same amount of boys' score, boy, uh, men's and women's sports, and uh, facilities have to be equal, and, and all those sorts of things. Um, it's also the classroom, though. You know, if you have a teacher who's saying, "Hey," this person can't get this grade or whatever it might be because they're a girl or a boy or whatever it might be that violates title line act too so um there's uh, yeah, a lot that goes into it it's, it's, and once again it's still an issue today uh, for, for some schools in some places all right balance of minority and majority rights is point 12 and then we got point 13 and i've got three minutes to wrap this up so i'm gonna go kind of quick what luckily 12 is uh references the brown case again the brown versus board case and we've already touched on it so i don't spend a great deal of time there um 
but the, the standards say the decisions demonstrating that minority rights have been restricted at times, protected at other times. And so we use the example here of the separate but equal stuff. Okay. Plessy versus Ferguson in the 1890s created a separate but equal. So minority rights were restricted there. And then Brown versus Board came along and overturned Plessy versus Ferguson and extended or attempted to extend minority rights. Okay. Uh, and it uses typically these things happen with the, the 14th Amendment. And the Supreme Court has done this. I mentioned Bowers versus Hardwick in Texas versus Lawrence. Bowers versus Hardwick was a case where there were a lot of laws, uh, state laws, that banned some uh, some some homosexuality uh, acts, sodomy, and things like that. And so um, the Bowers versus Hardwick case happened, and uh, they were arrested. They were charged. They said, "Hey, this violates our equal protection clause." Um, the Supreme Court did not agree with them and held up the, the arrest. And then fast forward to 2003, I think it was Texas versus Lawrence, kind of similar happens. And uh, the Supreme Court reverses those laws. Okay. Finally, uh, 13 is affirmative action. Affirmative action is a federal policy that's been used to try and balance the scales or whatever you want to call it to, to create um, more fair. Uh, I don't want to say fairness, but uh, to try and get people that have traditionally been discriminated against into positions, into the workforce where they have been discriminated against and they potentially might not have gotten a job prior to affirmative action. OK, uh, it is the, the standard says the debate on affirmative action includes justices who insist the Constitution is colorblind and those who maintain that it forbids only racial classification designed to harm minorities, not help them. The debate is, is this reverse? discrimination you know uh are you going out of whack here and sometimes the courts have ruled uh with it uh, and uh, sometimes against it i, I know that <laughs> pretty simplified but i've got 45 seconds uh the bot case is one to look at it's not a required case so i'm not gonna spend time on it gratz versus bollinger is a case to look at uh, it deals with uh, getting into schools basically the courts have upheld affirmative action they have said the use of quotas is not always great uh, and shouldn't use that. But affirmative action is okay. It is legal. It is a good policy. All right, guys. Uh, I went longer than I wanted to. I'll do a short one about the FRQs and the multiple choice section um, and get that to you. But uh, anyways, Coach D underscore 1977, if you need help, remind text. Uh, K Daniels, AP Gov on Twitter. Let me know if I can help you. As always, later, guys.